I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. So we're going to talk today about the practice of corporate united prayer. Now, when it comes to prayer in general, we know that it's important to have time alone with Jesus in the secret place. Finding a quiet room, a a quiet place, going into that place of prayer and spending time alone with you and the Father God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 6 to go into your closet and shut the door and your Father which sees in secret, he will reward you openly. So it's very important to practice secret prayer. But today I want to talk to you about the practice of corporate united prayer and the power that is behind corporate united prayer. The Bible says one will chase a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. There is just something about the power and the practice of corporate united prayer. And as we get into our teaching, we're going to find out that corporate united prayer was the practice of the early church. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and go over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says here, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, Verse 22, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We see a lot of times in our, our, well, basically in our churches, what we do is we gather together to hear teaching to have our, our, uh, to have our pastor minister to us a word, or we go to a conference and, and we get all kinds of teaching and instruction, and, and that's good. The Bible says that the fivefold ministry gifts have been given to us, the church, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, so that we all can come to the unity of faith, and basically so that we can fulfill the ministry that God has called us to do. And it's very important that we receive teaching, that we need teaching, and we shouldn't neglect, you know, gathering together in church services. But I want you to look at this scripture in the light of corporate united prayer. I believe that so much the more as we see the day approaching, that it's important that we gather people together 
for corporate united prayer. Again, why is that so important? Because what we said earlier is that one will chase a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. The Bible says how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, when we're gathered together in corporate united prayer and in that place of unity, that's when God can command his blessing. There is something about corporate united prayer that causes something to happen and be generated in the realm of the spirit. And I believe that as we see the day approaching and more and more in the days and the, in the months and the years ahead, I believe more and more people are going to begin to come together, not just to hear the word, but they're going to come together for the purpose of prayer. I believe that this is the time and this is the season for men and women to use what they have learned and begin to practice what they've learned and practice it in the place of prayer, specifically corporate united prayer. Now, corporate united prayer was a practice of the early church. And let's go ahead and let's very quickly look at how they prayed, what they prayed, and how they practiced prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus is there, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. And you know what he promised? He said, John truly baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, he's speaking to them, but I want you to notice that they were assembled together with them. They were all together in one place. And let's look here at verse 14. Then they continued to be together in one place, not just to hear the words of Jesus, because by then he had ascended up on high. And verse 14 said, these all continued with one accord, how and for what? In prayer and supplication <clears throat> with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brother. So they were still gathered together corporately. And what were they doing? They were praying. Now, Jesus did give them the command. He did say, wait, don't leave this place till you be endued with power from on high. And they were obeying the command of Jesus, but not all stayed with it. We find out in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that when the day had fully come, when it was time for the birth of the church age, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. They were under one roof. They were all together. They were all believing God. And what happened? You know what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out and they all began to speak with other tongues. But they were assembled together. They were, let me just say this. When Jesus gave the command in the beginning not to depart, but wait to be endued with power from on high, the Bible says that they started out with 500. But by the time the, the promise was about to, was to be poured out, there were only 120 believers left gathering together for corporate united prayer. And I believe that's what we're seeing in a lot of our KIU events. We're seeing that it seems to me that we're having more and more of the remnant people coming out to give themselves over in the place of prayer. But corporate prayer was the practice of the early church. <coughs> and I believe that... As the more we see the day approaching, the more it's important for us 
to gather together, to, to, to gird up the loins of our minds, to lock arms with one another and begin to practice corporate united prayer. Let's see how they prayed. Let's look at Acts chapter 4. We're going through a little journey in the Bible. Acts chapter 4. Let's see what and how they prayed. Basically, there was persecution. They didn't want the apostles to speak or teach anymore, and they were being threatened, and so on and so forth. So this is what the disciples did. They didn't go to their prayer closet, although they could have. There's nothing wrong with that. But verse 23 says, And being let go, they went to their own companions. They drew strength from one another. They gathered together in unity. They gathered together with people who were of like mind. And they knew that they could be in one accord. They went to their own company and reported about all the warfare that was going on. All the things that the chief priests were telling them to do. They were told not to preach or teach. And so verse 24 says, so when they heard that, they heard that. When they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then he, they go on to quote from Psalms chapter 2, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the heathen, why do the nation rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. And they continued to, to pray. They said, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. And they go on in verse 29, and they said, They said, Now, Lord, look on your servants, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And then they asked for signs and wonders, by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy child Jesus. Basically, how they prayed was, they all prayed at once. They all prayed for boldness, and they all prayed out loud. They were gathered under one roof for one purpose, and that was to pray to God because of all the warfare and the persecution that was coming against them in this day, that day, and in that hour. And I believe what's going to happen more and more as we see the day approaching is there's going to be more and more persecution that is hitting the church of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to listen to a YouTube prophecy that God gave me a while back. It's a prophetic word to the church. It's called, the, it's called heavenly warning. And God said to us in that prophetic word, he said, as you see the day approaching, my people, my church, we are going to get persecuted more and more and more. And I believe what's going to happen as we, we continue in the vein of what God is doing in these last days, that we're going to see and have the need for corporate united prayer, where we gather together and we pray together. So they all prayed at once. <clears throat> they all prayed out loud. And what were the results of their prayers? Verse 31. And when they prayed, when they what? When they prayed, what happened? The place where they were assembled together, everyone say together, was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and God answered their prayer, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want you to notice that the house shook. Just a side note, I would love it in our KIU events if when we all gather together in prayer, and we're all praying together and praying out loud, we're speaking the word, wouldn't it be fun if the house shook? 
You know, we talk about people shaking, but what about if the house starts to shake? There is power in corporate united prayer, my friends. Now, it says here in verse 32, now the multitude of those who believed, they were of one heart, one soul. They were in unity. They were in absolute unity. There's something about unity of purpose and unity of prayer that produces results. There's something about unity of purpose and unity of prayer that produces results. They, didn't, they gave what they had to to the disciples. In verse 33, the Bible says, And with great power gave them witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and not a little bit of grace, but the Bible says, And great grace was upon them all. So, Corporate united prayer was a practice of the early church. They drew strength from one another, and they saw powerful results. Now, we're going to go over to um, Genesis chapter 11, and I'm just going to show you a situation. It's a negative situation. It's gonna be, we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel, where people were of one accord, one mind, one purpose, and they all had one language, and we're going to see the results that could have happened if they had continued in their unity. Okay? And we're going to talk about this. in the, it's, it's a negative situation, but we're going to turn it around, and I'm going to use this scripture out of Genesis 11, and I'm going to show you the power that we have in corporate united prayer when we're all speaking the same thing, when we're all in one accord, where we all have one vision and one heart and one mind, and we all gather together, and we all are praying out loud and are praying in the Spirit. Let's look here at Genesis chapter 11. And the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They were of one accord, one speech, one vision. They were in unity. They all had things in common. Number, verse 3, And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, they said, Let us... Come and build a city and a tower whose top will reach up into the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now this is what happened. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Margie didn't say it, the Lord said, the Bible says, this is what God says. This is the power of unity. This is the power of being in one accord. This is the power of people working together. This is the power of having one language. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are as one, and they all have one language. And this they begin to do. Now nothing that they have proposed to do will be withheld from them. That is the power of unity in the negative sense of the word. So what did God do about it? He was worried. I mean, not that God can worry, but he's looked down on their unity and he said, now nothing will be impossible for them which they have imagined to do. So what did God do? Verse 7, he said, come, 
let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they ceased from building the building. Basically, they wanted to build a name for themselves. They wanted to build a building for themselves. It was all about themselves. But those of us who are in Christ, why are we gathered together for corporate united prayer? We're building the kingdom of God. It's not about our name. It's about the name of Jesus and building his kingdom. Okay? So that's the power that they had in their unity. Now, I just want to talk to you about it like this. Under the New Testament, and when we gather together in corporate united prayer with the same heart and same vision, I want you to know that when we begin to gather and especially begin to pray the word and pray in the spirit, I am telling you there is nothing that is impossible for us which we have imagined to do, especially when we get our vision from God. You may say, well, where are you getting that one language from? Well, tongues is the language of heaven. And when you gather together a group of 120 people or however many people are gathered together under one roof and we all begin to pray in the spirit and we all have one mind, one vision, and we're praying in the spirit, we are speaking as if it's one language before the throne of God. Can you see that? The Bible says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, God said, I'm going to give them a pure language. And even though when you pray in tongues and I pray in tongues, our language sounds different, it's still what I call the universal language that is going before the throne of God and it is producing and it is having a powerful effect. So there is power in corporate united prayer. And I think it's important that we not neglect the gathering of ourselves together for corporate united prayer. Unfortunately, when there's a call for corporate prayer, those are the meetings that are attended the least. But I believe the churches that are houses of prayer, that value prayer and understand the power of prayer, they're going to be the ones that you see more people praying, not just the remnant. You know, a church of 500 and then you only, you have like 120. How about the whole body? gathering together for corporate united prayer. How about instead of having a teaching service, we have a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning service and say today, instead of us being a house of the word, teaching you the word, we're going to practice what we have heard and we have learned. And we're going to pray. We're going to stand in the gap. We're going to use this service today as, as a time of prayer and intercession. I would strongly encourage you to do that. Let's look over at the call to united prayer coming from the book of Joel. Coming from the book of Joel. And then we're going to close. Joel chapter 1. Verse 4. This is the situation. What the chewing locust left and the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left and the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the locust the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. Verse 13. So what do I need you to do? This is what I need you to do. And I believe this is the call from God to gather together for corporate prayer. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Wail, you ministers, before the altar. 
Wouldn't it be fun if we, instead of having a minister's meeting, we're all sitting around and encouraging one another, if we all gathered together and decided, let's just pray together in the Holy Ghost. We, we can have diversity, but still have unity. We don't all have to agree on everything, but we can still have unity, and that is to reach our region for Jesus. Well, you ministers before the altar, come and lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers to my God, for the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Verse 14, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land, where? Into the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord together in one accord, in one place, like the early church did. Alas, for the day of the Lord is at hand. How about gathering together? How about consecrating a fast? Gathering the people and calling for a solemn assembly. Let's look here at Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Joel chapter 2. Therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with your whole heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning, verse 13. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Get everybody together. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. Bring the children into corporate united prayer. Let them see and hear what it's like for mom and dad to get on their knees before God and pray for their nation. Let them see what it's like to pray. Gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom come out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. In other words, let everything go and let's begin to sanctify ourselves and go into corporate prayer and stop some of the things that we're, we're doing that's such a distraction to the things of God. I believe in the day and the hour that we live in, and I've been there, done that, with all the soccer practice and hockey practice and dance things that's going on. It's all a distraction to keep people out from the house of God. Those things are good, but I'll tell you what, prayer is best. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is your God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his people. This will be the result. He will be zealous for his land. He will pity his people. And the Lord will answer and say, there is nothing that there is impossible to them which they have imagined to do. Are you kidding? They're gathering together for corporate united prayer. He says, the Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. Don't, isn't that what we want? And you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove from you the persecution that is coming against the church in this day and in this hour. I will remove from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. And he, 
and he and his stench will come up and his foul odor will arise because he has done monstrous th things. And then he goes on to say, fear not, O land, for the Lord is going to do great things. I believe that when we gather together for corporate united prayer and begin to practice more corporate united prayer, we're going to see God do some great and mighty things. The unity, unity of purpose, unity of prayer, and then all of us praying together in our heavenly language together, there will be nothing that will be impossible for us which we have imagined to do for the glory of our King and our God. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.